Hello and welcome to Neither of the Time nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who and the Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood. And blah, blah, blah. It's a bonus episode, who cares? Um, my name is David and as always I'm joined by the rib-tickling Matt. It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. I thought I'd mix up my intro this week, David. Did you get that cultural reference? Uh, I, I did not, to be honest. Should I have? No, don't worry about it. It's been over 200 episodes, and every time I say hello there, no one's once asked me, is that because of Obi-Wan Kenobi? And I think it's because the first one, I did it in a Yorkshire accent and then just stuck with it. (laughs) In the new year, I might just start going like, hello there. Instead of, hello there. Feel free. Yeah. You know, who knows, maybe it'll stick. Maybe you'll finally get... uh, Get the response you're looking for. This, this um, is our like last proper recording of the year, isn't it? We're doing a little bit of silliness over Christmas, but like yeah, this is yeah, it. we got got some special stuff planned. But yeah, yeah, this is sort of yeah. It's, uh, it's I'll be honest, Matt. I'm relieved. <laughs> yeah, it's been a strong. I year, need a hasn't break. It? Yeah. We've, so uh, next we've, had, week, we've had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Uh, it's yeah. It, it's, next week is it going to be A to Z? Yeah, yeah. Next next week yeah. we're, we're going to start releasing the A to Z compilations. So okay, yeah, uh, heads up for that, listeners. If you're a very loyal listener, it's let, let's be honest. It's it's the uh, neither the time nor the space equivalent of a clip show. Yeah. And yeah. There's not it's even like a lazy framing narrative like in, like an episode of Friends. No. Importantly, though, I, I recorded like yes. a little intro and outro for that in like July. So it's not going to mention right. the wheelie big quiz. So donations do stay open until like the new year, really. Yes, that's very important to note. Um, we, we will we will do... I think we've got uh, maybe one or two final editions of the Weenie Big Quiz, which um, will happen at the back end of the year, but there won't be any editions of the Weenie Big Quiz uh, during the uh, compilation episodes. No, no. Um, anyway, how's your week uh, been? That, that tedious housekeeping out of the way. Yeah, yes. Um, how has my week been? Um, yeah, it's been all right, I think. A bit of a manic week at work, not going to lie. Still a bit frazzled from that, even though I've had an entire weekend to recover. And we're recording this on a Monday evening, so uh, what what little sanity I gained back has been immediately undone by yet another day of work. I'm ready ready for Christmas, not going to lie, Matt. I know it's early, but I am yeah, ready I for Christmas, Christmas this year. I started Christmas shopping this weekend. Yeah. How, how did that go for you? Um, I stood in line for an hour and a half to buy one specific gift. Matt, have you ever heard of this thing we have nowadays called the internet? Now, let me let me explain this to you, David. Um, <laughs> okay. So, I, I don't know, like, I was totally unaware of this. So, you might know more about this than I do. But are you aware? Obviously, we live close by to York. Are you aware of York ghost merchants? Not in the least. Do do they actually sell ghosts? Right. Well, let me explain this to you, right? 
In fact, okay. I'll send you a picture. So they sell tiny little ceramic ghosts. Okay. Uh huh. And so I'm going to send you a picture of the two that I bought. Right. And they, they, I don't know where this trend's come from, but they're so incredibly sought after that I went last week to buy some, and the queue that you had to wait in was three hours. So I went back this weekend, and I went an hour before the shop opened, and there was already a sizable queue. So... Yeah, that, that queue is ridiculous, Matt. Um, I am very baffled by this whole um, tiny ceramic ghosting. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled. Look, they're cute. Don't get me wrong. They look like they, they go very nicely on a, on a desk or a mantelpiece or whatever. Um, but I struggle to understand why it's pulling in such so a crowd. E- each one is personalised. So every one is individual. So the two I've bought, there's one Mm -hmm. that's a nice cream and blue colour because that's a bit like a jumper I bought once when we were out shopping because I bought these for my partner. And then the other one Mm -hmm. is the colours of a jumper that she quite often wears. So like I've gone like personal, but the sheer number of tourists Mm -hmm. in that queue, David, I, I don't think they were as thoughtful. They were just... Going mad for them. Yeah. That's wild. That's wild that that... Now, that's... bearing in mind, David, that yeah. <laughs> two minutes ago your recording failed and we're re-recording this little bit about the ghosts. <laughs> How much would you pay for three ghosts yep. and a cotton linen bag? Fiver. Oh, you silly <laughs> £52. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, I'm eating beans on To each their own, Matt. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed Christmas shopping. I did not enjoy it, because from there I got trapped in the Harry Potter shop. There's some right (laughs) fucking nerds about, isn't there, David? (laughs) I mean, to be fair... It's like Ikea, there's a set route you have to walk... And when you're just going in for one yeah. thing and it's right at the end near the tills and there's some absolute bloody jabroni trying on every Quidditch outfit, mm-hmm. you know, taking <laughs> selfies with an owl, just like, just hurry up, please. Oh, God. And the staffer is bad. I think... like, when someone's like, oh, do you think you've got this T-shirt in extra large? They're just like, allow me to head upstairs. I will tell you. I will levitate myself to the higher floors. I'm like, just just go. Some of us are in a rush. There's a queue here. <laughs> Matt, I feel like if you willingly enter the Harry Potter shop, you've only yourself to blame for whatever transpires within its walls. Yeah. That's a choice you've made. I know. Um... <laughs> Anyway, um, where, what, 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 where, what are we doing? I don't know at this point because the recording failed and everything. Have we even mentioned um, what we are actually doing this week? I don't think so. 
Okay, so um, it's the last of our listener picks this week, um, courtesy of Jessica Wommel, mm-hmm. who um, uh, you, you, you mentioned to me previously, you jogged my memory, was the original inductee of the Marty McLean Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, without her. So, yeah. You know, we'd have nothing, David. Indeed, indeed. Um, and she has very kindly suggested Doctor Who parodies. Um, which is a really interesting, broad subject, and I'm very much looking forward to doing a deep dive on that with you uh, in a little bit. Before we do, though, I did want to ask you, Matt, did you, um, I mean, it goes without saying, because we all, um, every year when Children in Need is announced, we're just counting down the days, aren't we, until until we can sit sit down and watch the entire uninterrupted live broadcast over an entire evening. I tell you what, a parade every year of when Pudsy Bear B-list. comes on, I, I really sympathise yeah. with the bloke that took his good eye. <laughs> you know, you lose a night of television to oh, children in man. need. If I see Pudsy, I'm taking his other eye. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it in Metal Gear Solid style. It'll be horrible. Yeah. But... Having said all that, Matt, I I am I'm pleased to see Doctor Who having a presence in Children in Need again. I think, you know, that is a that is a a partnership that goes back generations at this point, and um, yeah, it, it it it's it's nice to be excited for the show, isn't it? I, I think they did well. We should probably mention what they did. They really ramped up the yeah. tension. They were like, we're going to announce the new companion. And they built it up and built yeah. it up. And eventually you see the TARDIS on the stage. And the door opens and out walks. I don't know, just your general teenage girl. Just bumping <laughs> yeah, into people just like some, that in costume all the time. <laughs> I'm certain she works behind the counter. It is, of course, Millie counter. Gibson. Yeah, Millie Gibson. She works behind the counter at the chip shop. <laughs> And I will look. Um, this is not me trying to be in any way disparaging about her appearance. It's it, it is purely just something I observed. Weirdly, she looks like the output of um, a fairly advanced image AI generator. If you just put in generic new who companion, she look from some angle. She looks a little bit like Jenna Coleman. She's got hair a bit like Billy Piper. Um, do you know what I mean? Mm. It, uh, my my main criticism when uh, yeah when I was watching it was that she in all the promo pictures she's got dungarees on and also the weirdest uh-huh. t-shirt I've ever seen. It's like half a t-shirt at the back and mm-hmm. two t-shirts at the front. Yeah, she must have been cold this time of year. Yeah, that's exactly what I said to, to, to my partner when I showed her the promo picture. I was just like, would you not get a cold side? <laughs> to which she said, yes, you absolutely would. But apparently it's very, it is all, all the rage with, with the young'uns these days. Like, my partner is, is by no means averse to a pair of dungarees, but but she's definitely not pairing that with, with a top that, <laughs> that barely covers uh, her chest, let alone... Can I just check, David? Like, obviously, we've yeah. struggled to understand the ghosts. We're struggling to understand this. Yes. 
it, it is the youth that yeah. are out of touch. We can we can't be. We are the zeitgeist. Oh we? yes, no, yeah. it's de- it's definitely not not the fact that we are hurtling towards middle age yeah. with an al- alarming pace. Yeah, cool. Just thought I'd check that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought. Yeah. Good move. Get it all on children in need because they're clearly going for like a more youthful audience with this new incarnation of yeah. the show. And I think just a broad audience again. Like, uh, RTD is clearly making no uh, no bones about the fact that they are they are shooting for a broad audience, uh, similar to what they managed to achieve with his first run. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they can pull it off because the TV landscape in general is a lot more fragmented than it was in uh, 2005. But it'll be a good trick if they can do it. Yeah, just pull it all back together. Um, yeah. So, um, sorry if I can forget to edit it out. I just opened my phone and a Coca-Cola advert yeah. played. Yes, I, I did wonder what that was, but uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, and did you see as well the, the little chat thing they had uh which had popped on the youtube channel afterwards of uh shooting at talking to his uh new co-star yeah they seem nice don't they they do they do i mean i'll be honest i, I i'm really still very much on the fence about the whole tenant being the 14th doctor thing i'm proof of the puddings in the eating there for me i think we will just have to wait and see. I'm I'm happy to have more Donna. I'd be very happy if they provide a bit of closure for that character because I think her exit was cheap drama and I don't think it was fair on the character or, or the audience, quite frankly. So it would be nice if there was a, a little bit of redressing going on there with, with these specials. We shall wait and see. Um, but... I am so excited for Judy Gatwa's era to begin in earnest. Yeah. I th- I really think he's going to be amazing. Yeah. I, I and that's think based on nothing time. beyond a... Ha- yeah, yeah. And I, I as well, I thought what, what really struck me with that little clip was the way Shooty was talking about and almost directing some of his comments to Russell T Davis and it, it also implied that he he was kind of in on the auditions for the companion like he had some input into who his co-star was going to be i feel like it seems like they're building up a real sort of trusting family environment for this show mm-hmm. if that makes sense like these are creative people who are trusting each part each other and working together towards a common goal, and that is a really really exciting and encouraging sign. So, um, yeah, the the tenant specials, we shall see. I I I I'm 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 up down for whatever RTD is gonna gonna try and do with those. But um, what really excites me at this point is just get is just getting to uh, the fifteenth Doctor and uh, seeing what what somebody brand new brings to this role. See, so, what really uh, excites yeah. me is getting to this week's Wheelie Big Quiz, David. 
Ooh, what about a smooth... How's that for a smooth segue? Ah, it's, only, yeah. it's only taken us 220-odd episodes, but we got there. <laughs> yeah. Right then, you got some... Uh, do, you want, do you want to mention uh, what we... Um, uh, do you want to remind the listeners what we're raising money for this year? Yeah, so we're raising money for Cancer Research UK. Um, I don't really know what else to say other than that. <laughs> you know, all um, donations well Well, yeah, they, they are. Yeah, they they are they are a great charity. Obviously, based in the UK, they and they put a lot of. Um, they do a lot to further cancer research in this country, you know, um, and and more broadly as well, of course, because you know, science is is shared quite widely on on, on this particular. Um, and I'm rambling, aren't yeah. I, Matt? I'm sorry. It's very late, and I'm very tired. So <laughs> you can find but, links you know, to make a it's, donation. It's a good cause on our yeah. socials. Um, but obviously, you, can indeed. you know, don't feel inclined to. It's getting to winter. Yeah. Everything Unless costs you... a thousand pounds, even keeping your house warm these days. Yeah. So don't worry. Yeah. But uh, if you are really, really keen to add yet another ingredient to my already horrible sandwich. Yeah. Well, you, you know in, what you need to do. You're in good luck, David, because we haven't quite met the next stretch goal to add Ooh. to your sandwich. Right. So I feel you're okay. We we might we might be in for a, yeah we might be in for a bumper edition of that when we reconvene for our Christmas yeah. special, eh? Yeah, that is the case. Right now, <sighs> I gave you the option earlier. Okay. Did you want questions from James Courtney or from Sonia? Um, and you mm-hmm. opted for Sonia, which means James Courtney's questions, David, will be the final of this year's really big quiz. Although James awesome. himself is yet to donate. We've got loads of money from Jack of the <laughs> but James is ducking us this year. Oh, in fact, James, well, if you're listening to this... I mean, he's supporting this, in other ways, I suppose. In fact, David, can yeah. I just speak to James Courtney for a moment? Of course, feel free. Earlier this week, David, I put a tweet out going, look, we're doing these bonus episodes and now my house is full of Doctor Who crap. If anyone wants it, you have to answer a question and I'll send you it as a prize. Okay? And mm-hmm. the question was, do you want some Doctor Who stuff? And James answered correctly. He said yes. Um, didn't say yes, please. He just said yes. Um, but I've, <laughs> I, I've, I've posted some out to Rod Henderson. He said yes, please. I've posted some out to Ollie that listens. He said yes, please. And James hasn't sent me his postal address. So, James Courtney, if you're listening to this, I've got some free Doctor Who stuff just waiting to go to you. You've got until Christmas Day, otherwise I'm sending it to Rod Henderson. Okay. (laughs) You have been warned. Yeah. I've I've had an absolute clear out, David. You know, those books I read last week, they're all gone. Um, My copy of Doctor Who the movie, the book, that's gone. Um, some old episodes of Doctor Who magazine that get thrown on the floor, they've gone. And most importantly, that little metal canine model that my ex-wife's friend gave me one Christmas, that has finally left. 
Okay. So. Oh, that breaks my heart. That's, you know, I feel like... It was like the been third with us almost of from the day team, one. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that went to Rod Henderson. Oh, the only Doctor Who memorabilia I've got left is a coaster that Rob from the Cloister Bell bought me that's just got a really angry Anthony mm-hmm. Henley's face on it. Okay, because that way, if anyone oh, says what's that, that I can go. Oh, that was my granddad. He fought the Nazis. And and is is this all in in an effort to persuade your partner that you're not in fact a Doctor Who fan? Oh, David, she knows, right? She, in fact, yeah. she, we commonly joke because I've got quite a lot of Warhammer in my living room at the moment because I've been painting, and I refer to it as the woman yeah. repeller. But the other day when she came <laughs> over. And uh, we were getting ready for bed and just sprawled across my bed was like a Doctor Who comic book, a Doctor Who children's book. <laughs> she was just like, oh, right, you just lay that out to set the mood, did you? <laughs> so I've got to do my homework. I'm recording oh, with David. <laughs> right, uh... anyway. So, Good times. Uh, right. So, yeah, James, got some questions? I need your address. Here's some questions from Sonia. David, are you sitting comfortably? I am. Right. First question, David. It's Time Lords. Now, some of these have got yes, multiple indeed. choice, but to make it interesting, if you get it without multiple choice, I'll double the prize. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So, Time on the pressure. Okay. Question one. Is a multiple choice, so this could be two pounds in the pot, David. In the Fugitive of the Jadoon, mm-hmm. we meet the Fugitive Doctor, who's been using a chameleon arc to disguise herself. What is a human's disguise's full name? So I want four name and surname, please. Oh no, I could do, I could do four name easily enough. I'm struggling with surname. Mm, I'm going to have to go multiple choice on this if the option's there. Right, David. Multiple choice. Is it A, Ruth Claiborne? Is it B, Ruth Clayden? Is it C, Ruth Clayforth? Or D, Ruth Clayton? It's either Clayden or Clayton. I'm pretty sure. I want to say, I'm going to say Clayton because I half wonder whether that's a little tip of the hat to Clayton Hickman. Who, who um, the hell is so Clayton say... Hickman? <laughs> uh, someone who's been very involved in Doctor Who fandom over the years and I think has done a lot with like DWM and I think has connections to Big Finish and all sorts of stuff like that. Clayton Hickman. Sort of Clayton just... Hickman. Been in the someone who's been in the orbit of Doctor Who for a long time. Yeah, I'm just making sure he's not a controversial character. I seem he seems kosher. I don't think I. Yeah, he's he's not an Ian Levine type. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm going to say Ruth Clayton with a T. David, you are correct. Everything crossed. It is of course a tip of the hat hey. to Clayton Hickman. Right. All round good guy. Yeah. Right. 
Question two, David. Is that, has that been confirmed? That that's why they went with Clayton? Say again. Yeah, has that been confirmed, or were you it? just? It's a, an official. Okay. From us, we've we've been warned. <laughs> right. Righty ho. Imagine if we announced the new companion. If she just came on here. <laughs> oh, it'd be quite the scoop, wouldn't it? I'll be honest, if, if we did, I'd probably have been less cavalier about <laughs> referring to her as looking like <laughs> the result of an AI well, image generator. David, I'm currently sat with a blanket <laughs> over my lap like an old lady. I'd give her that to warm her up. Uh, get yourself wrapped up. <laughs> right, companions, David. Oh, these young people. Right, yes. We're talking yes, about companions. the best companion, Bill. In World Enough and Time... Okay. Bill yes. is shot and taken to a lower level of a spaceship where time is passing much faster due to time dilation. Do you remember that, David? I do. Right, well, sadly, that's not the question. Uh, the question okay. is, approximately how long does Bill wait for the Doctor? Oh, my goodness. Do you want multiple choice? It's... Y- yeah, I think I'm going to need to get the exact number. It's years, I know that much. Okay, is it A, six months, B, mm. two years, C, three years, D, four years? <sighs> I'm going to say, this is a punt, I'm going to say three years. Oh, David, your gut's leading you all the way to glory this week. Three years. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Aliens and Monsters is up next. And we've gone from the best companion to the worst monster. In a town called Mercy. Do you remember that, David? I do remember that. Do you remember what planet the Gunslinger and Jex are from? Oh, man, I, cu- I couldn't do that without multiple choice. Hang on, no, wait, hang on. Give me, just wait a second. Oh. They sort of put have their species name first, don't they? So it's like something or other jets. Um, but My phone what, keeps what is... going off. Oh. Yeah, no worries. Um, No, I'm going to have to go multiple again. Sorry, Matt. Okay. The options are A, Carla. B, Canval. C, Carthel. Or D, Khan. As soon as you said it, Carla. It is. It's Carla. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for the next question, David? It's I from am. Episodes and Stories. At the end of Blink, do you remember that story, David? I do remember Blink. I'm, I, I, I'm quite familiar with it. But do you remember the name of the DVD store which Sally and Larry run at the end of the episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Is it just... Oh, how, how lenient are you feeling, Matt? Um, uh, 
because I could take a punt on doing it without multiple choice, but I might get the sequence wrong. Okay, I'll allow it if you get the, the names the wrong way around. Because I, I think it's Sparrow and Nightingale. Oh, David, there wasn't even the but option it might of be. Uh, multiple choice. And you got it. Well done. Two pounds. Hey, nice. So what are we on now? One, two, three, four, five. Five pounds already. Right. Are you ready for years and dates? Never. Okay. Well, do you remember the episode Rose? No, to be honest, no. That one, that one must have passed me by. Okay. It probably wasn't a significant one, though. Oh, so can you tell me the date on which it aired? <sighs> oh, I could not tell you the exact broadcast date. I should know it, really. I could tell you the, the broadcast date for an unearthly child, but I can't do it for Rose for some reason. I know roughly the time of year, though. Um, okay. Can I go multiple choice? You can. The options are... October the 15th, 1985. Uh, right. Uh, I don't know. Christmas Day 0 BC. Uh, <laughs> the 21st of November 2022. Or mm-hmm. the 26th of March 2005. I have a feeling it might be the latter there. 26th of March 2005. Yeah. It wasn't my birthday, I could, Jesus' honestly, birthday, could... or today. It was the 26th of March. <laughs> I, I, I knew that it was springtime of 2005. Well, But I, I couldn't have been more specific the, than that. If I give you the actual options... I should, I should commit to the old memory bank. It was March the 5th. March right, yeah. the 12th, March the 19th, or March the 26th. Oh, no, that would have been a complete stab in the dark yeah. either way. I thought I'd help you out a bit there. It's for yeah. charity, you've got to. Right, final question, yeah. David. Yes. Do you know John Hurt? Yes. Um, well, personally? Yeah, I think... No, sadly not personally, but I am I am familiar with with John Hurt as as a right. as a concept, if you <laughs> like. Right. <laughs> Did you know that he was the oldest actor to ever assume the role of the Doctor? Uh, no, but figures, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can believe it. Do you know how old he was when he played the Doctor? Oh. I'm amazed he was this old because. I, I thought he passed away yeah. when that alien came out his belly. But it turns out he must have got better from that. He must have been, what, mid-70s, I want to say? Now, there is no multiple choice, but I, I could make some up if you wanted. I Well, either that or I'd just take a punt on, on, on a number. Yeah. Um, do you... Okay, I'm going to say 76. That might be too old. I'm afraid he was only 73. Sure. 73. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. Mate, 
it's weird he was that old because I remember seeing him when he was younger and his face was all lumpy and stuff and he had like a bag over him. Yeah. I think he must have had some kind of corrective surgery or something for that. Yeah. Yeah. But he went on to bigger and better things because of course I've talked about the Harry Potter shop. He sold Harry Potter a wand, didn't he? Yes. uh, Was that one of his roles yeah yeah i mean i think we we can all agree that his his crowning achievement was uh voicing the owl in the gruffalo oh really uh, yeah see i would have said his crowning achievement one of my if i was genuinely like obviously i like alien but i quite like him in hellboy mm-hmm. i think hellboy ain't a bad film hellboy 2's good as well i've never seen it Oh, Never seen it. Hellboy 2 Probably should at some great. point. Hmm. Um, I'm just looking at his IMDb. Didn't they, do, didn't they do a sort of reboot of it not too long ago? Yeah, it wasn't as, well. as good. Oh. That's a shame. He was also in Ultramarines, a Warhammer 40,000 movie. I've seen it. It's pretty good. Uh, and of course, mm. if you were wondering, when I play Warhammer, David, I play as the Ultramarines. So there we go. Exciting. Right. Um, right, so is that it for Weedy Big Quiz this week? Yeah, I think. Is that five pounds in the pot? Um, yeah, I think so, because I, I, I whiffed on the last couple, didn't I? But, were, um, were these bonus episodes a good idea? Yeah. We've really been going around the houses. Like, we need structure data. <laughs> I never thought I'd say it, but we should have watched Torchwood. Well, it, it, we'll, 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 we'll be addressing that in, in uh, due course. Right. So, oh, David. My dog we've, agrees. We've been yes. watching Doctor Who parody. And yes, you sent have. me a list of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 um, Doctor <laughs> Who parodies. Yeah. Ranging all the way back to 1963. Yes. What what I was trying to do with this list was hit a broad range of eras and approaches, um, but I will freely admit that I went down a bit of a rabbit hole. All right. Well, <laughs> I, th- I think I think what we have here is 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 evidence of my <laughs> of my autism at work. Well, what I've done is for each <laughs> it's one, not, it's not sugarcoated. <laughs> Yes. I've made some notes uh, of my general thoughts, but then the overall decision I wanted to make was, is this funny? Okay. Right, okay. So, we've start, we'll go earliest to most modern, shall we? And yes, yes, that's what I've done. I've, I've sort of presented the list in chronological order. So, we'll start with, from 1963, It's a Square World... The Doctor's New Invention. Yeah. Oh, I should mention as well, listeners, uh, we will include these links in the show notes. Okay. So if you would like to sort of pause and and look at any of these for yourself, you are, you are free to do so. But also, do not feel obligated. No. No. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what I think is... Uh, okay, a couple of things that I think are interesting about this one, Matt. Um... First of all, this is uh, a sketch show that was uh, created by Michael Benteen, who was one of the original uh, members of The Goons. 
who in many ways you could consider to be the forefathers of modern British comedy. I, I, I don't know whether you would agree with that statement or uh, not. Well, I did, I did send you the question today. When did British TV start being funny? <laughs> struggled with some of it. Yes, yeah. I mean, this is this was extremely dated. I've I've immediately um, docked these sketches points if they just make a cheap joke yeah. about the fact it's called Doctor Who. If they say Doctor Why, Doctor When, Doctor Where, anything like that, they lose points. And I actually think this one did it in uh-huh. quite a creative way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because basically, the, the the premise is um, you've got a rocket scientist being played by Clive Dunn, most famous uh, for being Corporal Jones in Dad's Army, and you know who ba- basically has been playing doddery old men since the age of about twenty six. It seems, um, and he's dressed similarly to William Hartnell's Doctor, without being an exact replica. Uh, we should mention as well, this is December 1963. The show's been on air for at most a couple of months. Not even that, about a month right. when this came out. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's being interviewed by an interviewer playing Michael, uh, played by Michael Benteen, and they, they're discussing this, this, this rocket that he's invented. Of course, this was pre-moon landings but where everyone was getting all excited about the possibility of going to the moon um and uh yeah the the particular doctor who joke comes in the form of the interviewer asking uh sorry doctor who 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 is it to which the doctor replies oh no not doctor who i'm doctor i was like fothering gay or something wasn't it yeah Uh, probably the best joke in the whole thing yeah I'll be honest, David. As soon as I realised it was yeah. Clive Dunn, I, I just clicked the next YouTube link and watched Grandad. <laughs> oh, that holds up. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, right. But, yeah, I, th- I think it's fair to say it's very dated. Did you watch the whole sketch? It, it definitely it uh, drags. It is too yeah, long. Like, my dad would have been four when this was on TV. And like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think he'd have been sat waiting with bated breath. Yeah, um, it it does escalate um, quite impressively. It, the basically the 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 sketch culminates with a television center being uh, launched into space, and so there's there's some pretty ambitious moss. Sorry, one second. That's not yours, is it? Why are you getting... There's some... Yeah, some very ambitious effects work for, you know, a a TV sketch show from 1963 that was basically shot as live. Um, And you can definitely see the first glimmers of... um, Things like, like Monty Python and the Goodies and stuff like that, in, in in shows like this. But I mean, as a as a Doctor Who parody, 
it doesn't really you know it's coming at such an early stage that apart from the costume and and the one joke there really isn't much relation to to the show itself so from there we move to 1975 where we have a sketch Uh from crackerjack called hello my dalek um (laughs) good title yeah uh Gotta give it credit for that. David, I branded this as being not funny because there's a little bit yeah. where the companion the big joke is the doctor's scarf's too long and it gets trapped in the door. Yes. And there's yeah. a bit where the companion stands on it, and the guy that's playing Tom Baker just really shoves her really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's proper like uh back of the uh, round the back of the pub. Um, yeah. levels of violent, yeah. isn't it? He, he just sho- <laughs> like he shoves her so hard, and I was like, "All oh, right, I can't give this funny." But then, <laughs> none of the jokes landed with me. This was absolutely just like I, I get it. No. The guy's meant to be Tom Baker, but he just walks round gurning, like <laughs> honestly, like I okay. Um, well, a few things to note here. I mean, one, Cracker Jack it is a, essentially a children's vaudeville show that had been on the air since, I think, the mid-1950s. So it was already, you know, 20 years old at this point. Um, and, it, you know, it is aimed at an audience of six-year-olds. So the level of humour is what you'd expect to get in an edition of the yeah, Beano. But- if if I was um, six, I'd have hated this. Like, admittedly, I was like a grumpy, <laughs> cynical yeah. six-year-old. But, like... Yeah. I, I, I don't know who would enjoy this. It was so stupid. Uh, I mean, if if I was a six-year-old in 1975, I'm gonna, I've got to be honest with myself, I probably would have been watching Cracker Jack. Don't know, like, yeah. I think I would have. I I maybe would have enjoyed it every week, but you know, I've always been interested in like the mechanics of comedy, and so I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed like older sketch comedy, like you know, like for example, uh, Monty Python and the Two Ronnies and stuff like that. So I could totally see myself watching something like Cracker Jack at that age. Um, but it's fair to say. As it will be a common theme with a lot of these, it's too long. Like, it's sort of like nearly eight minutes long, this yeah. sketch. Because I guess they had the sets and the costumes that they needed to milk it for oh, all it was it worth. it just keeps going. It gets... Yeah, and I don't know if you watched all the way to the end or not, Matt. I wouldn't blame you David, if you bailed on it. But every second it, it culminates... of So, of course, the the big set piece at the end is basically um, they go to a planet where there's a giant chicken and the chicken lays a big egg and then a big polystyrene egg rolls onto the set and, uh, and Doctor Who en- ends up covered covered in eggy mixture. Right, moving on to and 1977. It's just... <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't talk <laughs> yeah, about that okay. anymore, Dave. 
No, okay. And, you know, why would he when, you, when you've got the opportunity to talk about EMU's broadcasting company? Now, Matt, I'm going to hand it to you to please explain Rod Hull and EMU to our international Right, listeners. well, I'll do that, because up next you're telling them about the Frankies. <laughs> right. Rod... <laughs> <laughs> right. Rod Hull is a perform performance artist who... Has a sidekick which is an uncontrollable emu made out of bin bags. Yeah. And ping pong balls. Right? It's like a Blue Peter project. And somehow he was on TV for the best part of like 30, 40 years. And yeah. It's, whoever whoever designed emu is not giving Jim Henson a run for their money. That's for sure. The joke was so it he cleverly had like a suit made that looked like he was holding this emu, but obviously it was his hand in the puppet. And it used to choke him. Uh, yeah. It attacked Michael Parkinson once, didn't it? On the Parkinson show, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't yeah. know if you know this, David, but I, I could probably tell you exactly when Rod Hull mm-hmm. died. Because he died, I believe, in the year yeah. 2000 when Manchester United were playing mm-hmm. in the Champions League football final. And he didn't get a very good TV reception, so he climbed upon his roof to adjust his satellite and died. <coughs> Fell off. Yeah, it's it's weird how that is just a thing, a thing everyone of a certain yeah. age knows. It's like part, almost part of British folklore. How Rod Holt, Rod Hull yeah. died, but um, uh, Emu was never funny for me. Like, yeah, I I always preferred Orville and Bubbles, no. if I'm honest, David. <laughs> I, I like. Mm, I think that says a lot. I about like my about. big hand puppet birds a little more cuddly than Emu. Uh, yeah. But okay, I will say it in, in, in Rod Hull's defense. Defense. There is a very good clip. I don't know if you ever seen it of um, Rod Rod Hull and Emu, where Emu. It looks as though Emu basically grabs grabs Rod and flings him into a big yes. chest freezer. I, I was exactly going to say that one. He's doing like a supermarket opening, that, isn't he? And it just descended yeah. into madness. And it is a g- genuinely impressive bit of puppeting and stunt work. Sadly, none of that is on display in this particular clip. Where, first of all, it's called Dr. Emu, yeah. but Rod is the one dressed up as the Doctor. Correct. So... You know, that all, that already is baffling. The whole thing is shot like a sort of silent film. There's no studio laughter or anything. There's just a sort of low-budget electronic soundtrack, which gives the whole thing a really creepy vibe. And uh, it revolves around this, um, you know, th- their take on, on the Daleks, which is a, a, a race of deadly d- dustbins. And... It it very quickly outstays its welcome. Yeah. No, didn't enjoy this one. I knew it was low budget when the TARDIS was just a telephone box. Just in a park. Yeah, that that's always a sign, isn't it? When um because some of these but it's also interesting where you can see where the Doctor Who production team have acquiesced and have allowed use of sets or props or yeah. 
Like some some of these um, are just all really costumes. lazy, but some of the the, the production yes. is a bit better. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's move on to the right. crankies. Can you tell our international listeners uh, David, about the crankies? <laughs> now, I, I I will not claim to be any kind of crankies expert, but my understanding is that you have essentially a a a, a um. I guess they're a comedy. Uh, act? They're supposed to be. Supposed to be. Um, that um, uh, two Scottish performers who I believe were married in real life. They are, yeah. Um, yes, but essentially you have a a regular-sized man and a lady of comparatively short stature who dresses up as children. And basically the... The, the man cranky pretends to be the father of the lady cranky. Yeah. <laughs> and from their, from their humour arises. Yeah. Now... Have I got that about much, right? Yeah. So the, the guy's called Ian. His wife's Jeanette Cranky. And she used to play a character called Wee Jimmy Cranky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we get we get Wee Jimmy here. We also get we also get a little girl cranky as well. Again played yeah. by Jeanette. Now I didn't I was unfamiliar with that. Yeah. I guess if they just needed to, to, to pad out the, the um the act for, for T V. Um so yeah, again, as is a common theme with these, this is too long. <laughs> It's near, it felt like it's nearly ten minutes, this clip, isn't it? Yeah. And, like, um, the song. What was that song about? The song. The song would be good oh, if God. it was about the Doctor song. Who. But this, they've called it Doctor What. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Which is not, not, a, not a good choice to begin with. It's like, you know, and... It's uh, yeah. It it it, it just it, it it's really patience testing, isn't it? Yeah. It's really really patience testing testing. So yeah, the song the song is really bad, and contains no jokes, from what I could tell. No. Which is did you... not ideal for a comedy did... song. No, but I'm just reading because there is another Doctor Who link with the Crankies, David. Is there? Um, so in 2011, they did Panto, Robinson Crusoe, with mm-hmm. John Barrowman. Okay. <laughs> I'm just reading, just reading this because the headline is Double act, the crankies reveal wild nights and secret swinging sections. Sessions, sorry. So I'm just going to read you a bit of a quote here, David, because once I've read it, I'll never get this image burnt out of my brain. Where, where, is, uh, where are you reading this from? Which reputable uh, this is, paper is... Well, because it's a pantomime page, it's called ohnothedidn't.livejournal.com. Okey-doke. Uh, so they were quizzed by a radio host about their active physical relationship. Ian, 64, admitted they enjoyed sex on golf courses, 
adding Jersey was very good. And Jeanette, famous as naughty schoolboy wee Jimmy Cranky, said, We went out for Sunday lunch one day and got a bit romantic all out at sea. We ended up in France. I couldn't make it last that long now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, then there's Enjoy a story that, about listeners. how Ian Cranky beat up Paul Daniels. Uh, so, <laughs> let's move on. Well, before we do, one thing I did want to mention was, uh, interestingly, I, I just wanted to analyse the, the costume choices for, for Dr. Watt. Um, or, sorry, Dr. Why it is in this instance, I think. Um, so, uh, Ian is wearing a big curly blonde wig. So, obvious nod towards the sixth Doctor there. They didn't get the use of the actual Sixth Doctor coat, so he's wearing a sort of long burgundy coat. They've also thrown the scarf on him. Because I think we're reaching the point here where Doctor Who in the public consciousness has started to get a little bit blurry. And everyone's just sort of assumed every incarnation had a long scarf, even though it was just one specific one. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they do the song, and then there's a whole, there's a whole quote unquote adventure on this planet where time's gone wrong, and uh, there's a there's a character who is wearing a time lord costume, but is not a time lord, um, which I found very jarring. You know, they've got the full fancy collar and stuff. So, like, you, you know, it's weird that um, the the the, the the BBC production team said no to, to Rod Hole and Emu. No, you can't have the TARDIS. You have to make do with a red phone box. And yet, for the Crankies, they're like, yeah, of course you can have our TARDIS. Here, do you want some... some uh, do you want a Time Lord costume whilst you're at it? <laughs> it's, um, yeah. I think it just smacks of the desperation that was that was rife within the show at that point. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Right, the next one is Lenny Henry doing yes. Doctor Who in 1986. Yeah. And I think this was the best one by quite some distance. Oh, oh, easily, easily. There's some in genuinely fact, good gags in this script. There's one bit I didn't enjoy. I wonder if you can think what it is, David. Um... I'm trying to think what what would stick out to you as a thing that you don't enjoy on this one. Um, is it is it the punchline? Is it uh, the you know the very end where they reference the sort of uh, unrequited sexual tension? No, no. Uh, what no? I didn't like was when they talk about the Doctor's main enemy, they call it Thatchos, like a Davros yeah. version of Margaret Thatcher, but then it's a Cyberman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Lazy, that. Lazy, that. But there are some... Look, there are some genuinely good jokes here. There are some, some good, like, political jokes of the era about Thatcher and unemployment and stuff like that. There's also... You, this feels to me like unlike the others we've seen so far this feels to me like a Doctor Who parody written by someone who actually likes Doctor Who mm -hmm. so 
there's there's a deeper level of understanding of the show and its tropes. Uh, my favourite being um, where they say, oh, what do we do now? Uh, run up and down lots of corridors, I think. Cut to them running up and down essentially the same corridor um, uh, multiple times. Uh, yeah, it's really good. I, I, actually, I also really like at the start um, the the actor playing a sort of riff on Perry who's just like, Doctor, 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 what's going on, Doctor? And it's just like, um, I feel like that is a very good exaggeration of the worst tendencies of writing for companions in the 80s. Um, so, yeah, all in all, really good. And also, can we please take a moment to talk about uh, Lenny Henry's uh, costume as, I guess, an alternative seventh Doctor? Yeah. Because he seems to have regenerated from Colin Baker. Um, well, that's, the, but... that's implied, isn't it? Because the intro, you get yeah. Colin Baker and then Lenny Henry. Yeah, and... The the brown leather trench coat. It's a good look. Like it, yeah. you know, with you know, you've got you've got the, the sort of slightly wacky checked trousers to go with it and stuff. So it looks doctory, but also, like I kind of want to see what that alternative future was like, where where they actually cast Lenny Henry instead of Sylvester McCoy, and this was his costume. Like I could see it. Maybe maybe Big Finish should give him a call. Get him on the Unbound range. Right. If we fast forward to 1996, David. Let's do it. Uh, to the sketch is called Dr. Watt from Jeremy yeah. Needle's Hollywood Hot Shots. Uh, uh, who, who needs to explain the... what Jeremy Needle is, me or you? <laughs> I think it's your turn. Right. Jeremy Needle was a television host in Britain and he, he hosted most Saturday night TV so he used to do a show yeah. called You've Been Framed which was a home video show he did Beatles uh-huh. About which was like a prank yeah. show um, he did yeah. You Bet which was a personal favourite of mine do you remember You uh, Bet? You Bet was great they would just set it would be like Guinness yeah. World Records and you just had to say yes or no will they do it um, yeah it Genuinely great format, I think, that one. I used to love um, you, Bet. Uh, but, yeah, it, J- Jeremy Beadle, I think, is what it very much falls into that category of bafflingly ubiquitous TV presenter. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that he wasn't an OK, likeable screen presence, but it, it, it makes you wonder, when you look at his CV, the sheer amount of shows that man had... During well, the 1990s. Do you remember he did one once called Win Beadle's Money? Where he he <laughs> basically was like... He claimed to be the most intellectual TV host. Because he was well-educated. Uh-huh. So he'd go head-to-head, yeah. head, a bit like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But the money would be his. Right. I, I don't remember this, but uh, fair right. play. But anyway, we get to um, Hollywood yeah. Hot Shots. Uh where, yes. Where we're introduced... Not one of his better-remembered projects. No. Like, we're introduced to Steve Coots and Callie David, who are not Hollywood hotshots. So, from no. what I gather, this is like a sketch show where you could make the sketches at home and send them in. Is that right? Yes. I think that's that was the gist of it, yes. Right. 
Which first is, question I, I've written. Yeah. What is the budget for this sketch? I'm estimating about six pounds. I think, I mean, we're talking 1996, so I'd say probably closer to £3.50. Yeah, and and that's pre-Brexit when the pound was worth something, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah this, this is... I mean, with the benefit... Uh, uh, when I watched this, I d- hadn't realised that that was the, what this show was, and I thought they just had really terrible like cheapest actors they could find um and it was only afterwards that i did some googling and found out the premise of the show and i was like oh basically it was youtube before youtube um yeah. which is great in principle but when you factor in the fact that most people in the 1990s only had access to cheap camcorders no kind of uh digital video editing software uh, or, or anything else like the the production values are so poor the acting is so poor the writing is so poor there was but there was precisely one bit that genuinely made me laugh and i wonder if you can guess what it was matt um i honestly can't it was bereft of laughs for me it was when they encountered a, an alien and it was just like a bloke in a green u- uh, unitard with green uh, makeup yeah, on, like, and, and I they said even to him, "Work out what that was." Well, he just said, he, "They just said to him, are you an alien?'" And he was just like, "Yeah, of course I'm an alien. Got green skin, and I." Yeah. <laughs> and I genuinely, his delivery was actually really good. I thought it it took me by surprise. Um, but I think the most interesting thing about this show, more broadly. Um, is, of course, that it was kind of where Edgar Wright got his first foot on the ladder in the British yeah. film industry. Yeah, you watch this, then you watch Baby Driver. Like, yeah. To me, the it's, Venn diagram I mean, doesn't cross. Yeah, well, it's just the butterfly effect in action, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, and apparently he said in an interview with on Adam Buxton's podcast uh, that the quality of submissions for the show in general was so poor that about thirty percent of them he just ended up reshooting himself. Oh really? With like a skeleton crew, and he said it's the sort of thing that if it had come out and the show had been a bigger hit, it would probably have been a, a bit of a scandal. Mm. That it was essentially sort of like faking it. Yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, this this was I think the worst. They're all bad, but this is this to me was even worse than the Crankies. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. If we jump forward then a year to nineteen ninety seven, yeah, we have we don't really need to talk about this one for long because it's only about a minute long. No, it's Harry a very Enfield, brief little sketch. He does Scouse Doctor Who, and the joke is. Doctor, who do you think you're looking at? Because the common joke at the time is Scouse Pete. So Scouse is British parlance for people from Liverpool. Traditionally quite working yeah. class. Here we're making the joke that they love fighting. That's it. That they're yes, an abrasive, that's aggressive it. That's the joke. 
And there were a, there were like a couple of scousers who were re recurring characters on Harry Enfield and Chums. So you kind of got to put this one in the broader context of that series, I think. Yeah. Where every week there would be you know, a scouse character in a different setting. But you home. didn't, yeah, you didn't know where they were going to pop up, and in this case, you know, they popped out the TARDIS, and you know, from thence humor arises. Um, it's it's not great though, um, yeah. but I think what is really interesting to see is if you kind of plot the course here from 1963, where Doctor Who is this passing reference to something, to the 70s, where we were at the height of Tom Baker mania, and and you look at the Crackerjack um, sketch, for example, there is a lot of affection for the property being being parodied. Mm -hmm. I think by the time you get to this, it's a throwaway gag. It's just like, oh, yeah, remember Doctor Who? And it... Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like you can almost chart Britain falling out of love with Doctor Who through the nature of these parodies. <laughs> Um, and I think we reach reach the absolute nadir here with this next one, which I very nearly didn't include, Matt. I only included it on the list because I had completely forgotten that this show existed until I watched the opening titles of it and had this insane, like, sense memory of sitting through multiple episodes of this on CBBC as a, as a child. Do you remember Hubbub? I, I don't. Um, and just you, you've you've put me on the spot there because you've talked about how you've reflected on this as a child. I <laughs> yeah. described this as woefully shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It absolutely uh, I, I is. In their prop department, they found a wardrobe and a scarf and had half an <laughs> idea. Yeah, that that's exactly the level of this. And again, this is this this was two thousand and one. So so Hubbub, I think, have been on the air since since sort. I want to say about ninety six. I don't think I was watching it at this stage, but definitely, you know, when I when I would have been about ten years old, I would have suffered through the odd episode of of Hubbub, uh, which was presented by. Well, not presented, but it was sort of like a a kind of sitcom thing, um, starring. Les Bob, <laughs> mime artist of international renown, <laughs> um, who weirdly does no miming in this whatsoever. No. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of included it only for the for the sheer like weird. I don't I can't even call it nostalgia because I didn't enjoy it at the time. It's just sort of like, oh my god, yes, this was the thing. This was the thing that I wasted my time on as a youth. I'm wasting my time on again now. Um, and also, like, this is so shit. And it's interesting because it's coming in 2001, just four years away from the Great Revival. And I think the lack of effort being shown here really shows the level to which Doctor Who has degenerated in the public consciousness, where it's now just a bloke stepping out of a wardrobe wearing a long scarf that's the wrong colours and a white lab coat for whatever reason. Mm. And that's it. And there's like, there's some like vague reference to a sonic device at one point, but it's so bad. 
it is so bad. Um, but then, of course, Doctor Who comes back. Mm. So and in 2005, we've got Dead Ringers, yeah. which is an impressionist program. Uh, yeah. Where they do very Doctor long Who running at Christmas. Yeah, so so Dead Ringers, very long running on British radio, on Radio 4. Um, it had a briefish run on BBC Two as a TV series. I think ran for maybe two or three series. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it stars John Coleshaw, who has always been a massive, genuine, heartfelt Doctor Who fan and actually does a variety of... of I mean, his Tom Baker is impeccable, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. It's a very good impression. And he also does a very good Nicholas Courtney brigadier. And uh, I, I listen to him. He does a lot of stuff for Big Finish. He's, he's basically their go-to for the brigadier for, for Big Finish. And he's also done a couple of things where he plays Anthony Ailey's master. And oh, his Ailey master... Yeah, it's uncanny how good it is. Because that is such a specific and subtle voice to nail. But he absolutely does. Do you think um, we can get him I'd to do say... the BBC, like, children's bedtime story, but in character as Anthony yeah. Ailey's master? <laughs> it's possible. I, I will say, beyond the fourth Doctor impression in this, so the premise of this is, basically, you've got a random selection of Doctors past and present uh, all sharing Christmas with each other. And um, it's it's shot in a sort of mockumentary office style because that was very much the style of every all comedy in the wake of that. Um, the impressions are variable. I think they rely an awful lot on the costumes in a couple of cases yeah. to, to kind of do the heavy lifting there. Um but I enjoyed this sketch for what it is. You know, it do, unlike most of these, it doesn't outstay its welcome. No, I, I, I'm I, not always a fan of impressions. But I did like the line yeah. that Tennant's Doctor was just Jarvis Cocker in space. You know, I, I'm, a big, <laughs> I'm a big pulp Jarvis Cocker fan. That yeah. made me smile. Yeah, and to be honest, kind of nailed it. And to, to do that at that early stage, because this tenant, I think, had only had the one Christmas special and that was that, you know. So at that point, I've already kind of nailed a, a very, I think, accurate put-down and summation of his incarnation. Yeah, it's, uh, if you pretty listen good. to this, rather than watch that sketch, listen to some pulp. Listen to Do You Remember the First yeah. Time. That's my favourite pulp song. That right. would be a much better use of your time. Right. Okay. Speaking of We've got music, two more to go. We then move to The Chaser, who has written a song called yeah. Fan of Doctor Who. I'm going to keep it short and sweet on this, David. Uh, I didn't find this yeah. funny, and it makes me wish Flight of the Concords was still a thing, because then we wouldn't get people doing poor Flight of the Concord imitation songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I feel like these that this was pretty concurrent. It's not a good song. I thought you'd enjoy this one, Matt, because unlike the others, this is not this is not parodying Doctor Who so much as it is Doctor Who fandom. And I thought you'd really appreciate someone punching down at Doctor Who fans. Yeah, but then it, it's not. I mean, I mean, I've literally told a story about uh, 
my partner coming and finding Doctor Who stuff all over my bed. I, don't, I yeah. don't know why I didn't find this guy telling that exact same story funny. I mean, <laughs> what what I do like about it is that it clearly has been written by an actual hardcore fan because it even includes references to Robert Holmes as as the teacher fan's uh, uh, favourite script editor and uh, also makes reference to Scream of the Schalke the um, the non-canonical webcast starring yeah. Paul Mc, uh, starring Richard E. Grant so you know th- there's deep cuts in this so I appreciate it on that level as a song, it's quite shit, though. <laughs> um, and so, lastly, the one that kind of triggered it all, the one that I think um, was a particular interest interest to Jessica. So if you're listening, Jessica, uh, sorry that we've made you wait for so long, but, you know, that's that's chronology for you. Uh, Inspector Spacetime from Community. Right, well, again, you've set now, me up there. You're not a fan of Community, that. are you? Yeah. Because uh, no, my notes on, for this episode is Community is a show about unfunny people who think they're cool. Aimed at and enjoyed by unfunny people who think they're cool. Right, okay. Um, I would take issue with that. Not so much in terms of community fans, but that to me sounds like someone who hasn't really understood community. Uh, which is fine. You maybe haven't watched very much of it, but this is one of okay. those times where you're like, "Come on, Matt, you're just not clever enough to get it." <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm and not I'm saying not that, saying I, I think... agree with that statement, but I'll be too busy thinking about pasta or something else <laughs> instead. The thing about Community is, I think if you watch just a couple of episodes, it's very easy to th- to come away with the impression that especially the main character, Jeff Winger, is just like, oh, he's this cool guy, and everyone's supposed to think how cool he is. The the whole point is that he wants to be this cool guy, but he's he's in a situation where it is impossible to be cool because, you know, he, he had his cool job as a lawyer um, and was then kind of found out and is now having to sort of retrain to get a, a valid qualification for it and is having to do so at the shittest local community college imaginable and is surrounded with, you know, c- c- complete oddballs. And over the course of the show, he kind of re- learn values learns the value of 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 things other than trying to be cool and you know it's an incredibly heartfelt show and every single one of the main characters is deeply flawed and deeply human and i don't think that comes across well in the form of short clips that's something that you really have to you have to give the show time to let it worm its way into your heart in order to get that and i don't and it's obviously you haven't done that and that's fine not everybody has time to watch every TV show ever, but I don't think it's a fair characterization of the show, <laughs> is okay. what I would say, as someone who is very much a fan of, of it. Um, so specifically with Inspector Space Time, it's introduced um, in this sort of subplot of an episode where uh, the character of Abed, who 
we never get a formal diagnosis for, but I, I think it's fair to say is definitely neurodivergent. Uh, and one of, I think, the more interesting neurodivergent characters to ever have been on TV. Um, and he's he's kind of become obsessed with um, uh, uh, the show Cougar Town and has run out of episodes of Cougar Town. And then they find out that Cougar Town was apparently based on a, a British show called Cougarton Abbey. Uh, which then ran only for six episodes. So he's kind of bereft again and then discovers this incredibly long-running science fiction show from the, from the UK called Inspector Space Time. And we get to glimpse a short clip of it in the context of the episode. Um, and it's very much a checklist of every lazy cliche you could want to make about classic Doctor Who, I think. You've got rubbish green screen. You've got characters in silly costumes. You've got really cheap effects and alien designs. And at like to the I think they're called blow guns, and they just sort of run trundle around going eradicate, eradicate. It's not subtle. It's not subtle. But what I think is interesting about Inspector Space Time is that with a lot as is the case with a lot of things in community something something is introduced as a throwaway gag and kind of over time takes on a life of its own so you have for example two of the characters dressing up as inspector space time and constable reggie for for a halloween event by season four there's a whole episode that revolves around them going to an inspector space time convention and outside of the show itself i think it's fair to say there is quite an overlap between doctor who fans and community fans if you're a fan of one there is a good chance that the other might also appeal to you and so as a result we have seen uh all kinds of fan work based around inspector space time is this sort of alternate universe version of doctor who you know, we're talking fan films, um, fan-created chronologies with castings of various inspectors over the course of um, time and stuff. So I think out of all of these, for, for the one that is perhaps initially the most throwaway, the most um, cliched of the lot... It's like it's like it really is a cursory tick box box ticking exercise of all the stereotypes you could think of about Doctor Who, but yet it's now become the one with perhaps the richest and most complex um, history of the lot, um, and has really taken on a life far beyond it. It was original the original throwaway gag that it was. Um, so if you're interested in that, listeners, do some digging. There's a lot of stuff out there related to Inspector Space Time nowadays. Wow. Um, sorry, I very much took over there, Matt, but I, I, I kind of, no, like I, I say, I, I, I feel like say, I, I needed, say. yeah, I kind of wanted to bring that fan perspective. I'm not necessarily a massive fan of a lot of the Inspector Space Time stuff that people have produced, but I feel like it's worth noting 
just how much of a life of its own it has. And also, if you are looking for a new show, Matt, give Community another chance. I think you'd actually find it really good. Yeah. <laughs> if you really... What 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 is your being? What is the bee in your bonnet about community specifically? What puts uh, you off it? I, I have like it's not like I've just dipped my toe in it. I just I watched probably the first one or two series, and I was just like, I just don't like this. Uh, that I, genuinely I, surprises me, Matt. I would rather watch The Office for the fifty billionth time than watch that again. Yeah. I'd rather watch Doctor Who. Wow, that's saying something coming from you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this journey through through parody with us, listeners. Um, it's a really interesting field. I apologise if you're sick of the sound of my voice. I know I've done a lot more talking than Matt has this week. It's fine. I apologise. Uh, as I say, I think I think what we have here is sort of the convergence of two separate interests of mine, and um, the end result is quite a waffly David. Um, but anyway, uh, I mean, it's next been more week... fun than fan fiction. Let's say that. <laughs> I, I certainly am, had more time allowed digging to write on this. fan fiction because I promised you last week I wouldn't. But if you think yeah, I don't uh, like Community, I'd rather watch that than read fan fiction. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's not exactly <laughs> saying much, I suppose, but but uh, yes, agreed. Um, oh, but yeah, so as I say, we we're, we're having a little break now. We there will still be stuff in your feed in the form of um, the uh, the A to Z compilations over the next three weeks, and then. We shall be back in your feeds, listeners, with a f with hot, fresh content in um, on the on Christmas Eve, mm. where we will where we will be discussing. I might as well let you know if you if you want to be completely unspoiled, you can switch off now, listeners. But if you would like to have time to prepare, please uh, seek out a copy of the Chimes of Midnight. Because that is what we shall be covering for our Christmas special bonus episode on the 24th of December. Are you looking forward to that, Matt? Uh, yeah, why not? It'll be Christmas, so I'll say yes. Yeah, I mean, bit of Christmas, bit, bit, bit of Paul McGann. We're recording it next week, so I bet we'll be <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so do join us for that. Uh, in a few weeks time listeners but until then as always thanks ever so much for listening and until next time cheerio bye now thank you for listening to neither the time nor the space if you wish to contact us our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter, we are at Time Nor Space Pod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. <laughs> <laughs>